And good morning. We are live at RadioNext.tv on the Cool Groove site, live from the Collaborate 317, the brand new studio home of RadioNext.tv. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell in studio. Uh, Comenius Institute sponsored show, Warp and Wolf Radio. Dr. Mark, how you feeling, partner? Man, I'm telling you what, I got the biggest smile on my face ever since the other day when we all started here. It is a fantastic space. Come visit us over here on the east side in Greenfield, just past Indianapolis, you're going to love it. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I have people saying, uh, HB, why'd you move way out there? I said, it's not way out there. And then when you get here, you'll understand why. Mm -hmm. uh, we have been having an initiative to where we're really trying to gather um, this community and we call it the social ecosystem. Right. Um, and, and we have it right out here at Collaborate 317, nonprofits, small businesses, people coming together of like minds to make sure that we can create change in this community. And, uh, brother, You've been with me for this ride, man, and thank you so much, really. This is this is unbelievable what God can do. And my it cousin, I, I had to call my cousin Brian because there are so many people, and this is just before we get in the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So many people, man, who have supported and believed when sometimes you didn't believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, my cousin told me when he was on your show as a guest, and we were talking between the break, and he said, Harold, the resource is limited, but the source is infinite he there said the source can provide when resources aren't in a, even available <laughs> and this situation here i had to text him and say brother come see what the source has done because right. it, we, we're here uh but today man we're going to continue what we do on warping wolf radio each week and uh the theme of today's show is one that my brother said, and you must have just did this for your little brother, man. Uh, music, messaging, and mentality. And uh, there are so many ways to educate so many things that music does in our society that if we use it properly, it fits right in hand with what we do at Warp and Wolf Radio, man. Before we go to break, tell them about Comenius and yep. some of the things we're doing over at Comenius Institute. Very important stuff. Comenius has three bridges. Our first bridge is from high school students into college who are going to public university. And our work at IUPUI is to meet students where they're at, answering their questions about uh, classes, professors' comments, those kinds of things. The second bridge is about community. Uh, all community all the time is what my brother HB says, and that's what we do here. We are connecting people and communities in lots of different directions, and our specific interest and focus is on black and white churches, bringing them together. And our third bridge is helping Christians to understand culture, and we do that on a continuous basis through all of the writing and the speaking and uh, teaching that I do. Uh, please visit our websites. Uh, there are two of them, warpandwoof.org. That's W-A-R-P-A-N-D-W-O-O-F.org. And cominiusinstitute.com, where we have all kinds of resources, both sites. Go visit them. Check us out. See what we're about. Well, as I mentioned, we're going to take the musical break as we do. And when we come back in this whole show, you will be hearing our special guest music today. Uh, Mr. George Middleton is a phenomenal, phenomenal yes. uh, educator and uh, uh, brother of mine who is out here in the community doing great things, trying to help our young uh, disenfranchised youth. Uh, but he is also a phenomenal musician. So all show long, we're going to play George Middleton's music. So we're going to get right to it. When we come back, we're going to talk about today's theme, music, messaging and mentality you are listening to. Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site, live from Collaborate 317 Studio. 
And, ladies and gentlemen, that is George Middleton, our guest today on uh, the Comenius Institute, Warp and Wolf Radio. We are live from Collaborate 317 Studios. RadioNext.tv is in this house, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, you have to come out and check out what we're doing. Uh, we're not fabricating this. This is phenomenal. This is a grace of God and, yes. and what work will do. Uh, and today we are talking about music, messaging, and mentality. Uh, George Middleton, that was his last cut, uh, What You've Given Me. And we'll be playing his music all day long. But with that being said, Dr. Mark, uh, Proverbs, knowledge, everything that we yep. do each week is coming straight out of Book of Proverbs on how we're relating our topic and our conversation. Well, what made you come up with music messaging and mentality, honestly? Well, you know, when I when I started talking with George about this, you know, we had lunch and, and uh, started talking about his new book and so on. Uh, I said, you know, how do you put all of this stuff together? And so we started talking about psychology and counseling, um, basically what he does in life uh, as his job. And we began to talk about how it is that not only our behavior affects our beliefs, but how our beliefs affect our behavior. It goes both ways. And then, of course, the subconscious, unconscious self that uh, is invested. We don't even fully understand our own spirit. So really, it was a combination of a lot of conversation George and I were having. Awesome, awesome. And uh, I mean, you know, music is dear to my heart. I told you, you know, this is kind of, uh, especially, and we always go into our differences in cultures, but my mother was a... a, a uh, pro, just a real proficient pianist and uh, I never played music but I was always just caught up in this musical vibe so pretty much everything I do I'm rolling around with a beat in my head mm -hmm. uh, doing what I do uh, so we do wisdom and knowledge every week on yep. Warp and Wolf Radio and, it, and for the people who don't know tell them what Warp and Wolf is Doc. yeah Warp and Wolf are, is the vertical horizontal threads that make up fabric and from a Christian vantage point we're looking at Colossians 117 by him by Jesus are all things held together and so we're taking all of these, the information that we see around us, we're weaving it into the wisdom of Proverbs. That's what this is about. Absolutely. So when we speak of knowledge, and we know uh, uh, Proverbs has a different view than probably our culture, could you, yeah. could you tell Proverbs uh, uh, interpretation of yeah. knowledge versus how our culture sees knowledge? Absolutely. So this really is a, a big concern of mine, and anybody who's a believer should have a general understanding of what we're about to talk about here, and that is that when we're talking about culture, we're talking about the culture in which we live, the, the time and the place and the people, the ideas that are kind of resonating around uh, in the world in which we live. And this particular world that we live in is a world of information. We are constantly being given information. We are overloaded in one way or another through all the different social media devices that are out there. And so the, the question then, the problem really for us from a Christian point of view is how do you deal with all this information? Well, from a proverbial standpoint, from, from the book of Proverbs, the word know or knowledge literally means uh, beyond information. It means beyond comprehension. It means beyond experience. Here's what it means. Proverbs says that knowing becomes transformation. Intimacy is woven within my person, so there's an internalization that goes on in uh, the book of Proverbs. That's what knowledge is all about. Well, preach, doctor, yeah. uh, because honestly, you know, the next question that we have is if knowledge um, is, is understanding and comprehension, um, then then that affects your behavior. It affects who you are and what you think. Yep. So how does Proverbs re relate to this this specific, you know, the, the knowledge part of, the knowing part of? Yes. So I'm going to give you two tests this morning, HBO. Oh, Lord. I, I know. Oh, Lord. Here we go. Uh, I've been given this test to students, and then I made up another one. So the, the idea of the test is uh, what I refer to as what a wise person desires to have. And I call it the SPUD test, S-P-U-D, SPUD test. 
It's called sensible, practical, universal, and dependable. We all want something that makes sense, that relates to real life, that everybody deals with across the, uh, the world, and then something that I can rely upon. That's the SPUD test. Sensible, practical, universal, dependable. But there's also something, and this is what I would call the cultural test, I call it the CRUD test, C-R-U-D. The CRUD test stands for conceited, rebellious, undisciplined, and damaging. So the one who does not fear God is the one who is against the wholeness of the person. That person who is conceited, rebellious, undisciplined, and damaging is the kind of person we want to stay away from, the kind of knowledge we want to stay away from, and that's the idea of the difference between Proverbs and our culture. Wisdom is an understanding of the whole under the auspices of the universal uh, ethics that God has given us in his word against what every individual thinks is right and wrong in this culture. There it is. Spud versus crud, man. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that is test worthy, Doc. Um, and, and with that being said, and, and we kind of alluded to this in the previous question, is, is the cultural differences come from the knowledge that we inherit, um, which means no right or wrong in that. Mm -hmm. uh, principle. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say, the, the, the fabric of yes. doesn't change. How you, how you weave it and how you color it and all that can change, but the principle of that has to stay the same. That's right. So with that being said, uh, why does our view of cultural knowledge need direction from the 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 cultural knowledge, need direction theology. Yeah, this is huge. So I'm going to give four ideas here just real quick. Uh, all of these actually come out of uh, Colossians as well, specifically Colossians chapter 2, where it says that Christ is a storehouse of all knowledge and wisdom. So number one, he is the storehouse. That means hidden treasures. Uh, if you think about it this way, uh, he is the layaway plan. <laughs> he is the mortgage that you're putting down. You're putting down X amount of dollars to pay off that house. He is the storehouse. He's the layaway plan for that. You have laid it up, treasured it away, stored it away. That's what Paul emphasizes. Number two, Christ is the source of all knowledge. That is that everything comes from him. So he is the origin of all things that we know. Number three, Christ's control of knowledge is universal. The word all is important here. I tell my students all the time, all means all, and that's all, all means. And that emphasis on all or the control of knowledge being universal, he's the one in charge of all knowledge. And number four, Christ's knowledge is exclusive. It says, in whom? And that word in literally means that this, this is located within a location, the instrument of the subject. And so if I could be so bold as to say, there are no brute facts. Neutrality is a myth. Nobody speaks in a neutral tone of voice. We all believe something, and those beliefs are brought to the table. And from a Christian vantage point, we bring those beliefs theologically from a Christ-centered viewpoint. And that's what we're all about here this morning, HB, is this connection of belief to behavior. You cutting it in, man. You sound like you preached this past oh, weekend, out, man. man. <laughs> we're going to come right back. As I told you all day, we will be celebrating the music of George Middleton, and then he will be gracing us in the studio um, as we talk about music. Uh, the mentality and the messaging. Uh, we're here, Warping Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back. RadioNext.tv, Warping Wolf Radio, Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell at the brand new collaborate 317 RadioNext.tv studio, man. And we are getting it in. 
first segment just unbelievable and the topic of today uh, is going to be centered around a brother that you just heard, Mr. George Middleton. He is why we came here. He is just a prolific musician. And today we are talking about huh, the message, the music, the mind, the culture. Uh, we are made up of all these things. And uh, today we're going in. So uh, music message and the mentality, Dr. Mark, in this second segment, uh, let's talk about it. Yeah. How does music impact the mindset? Uh, you know, we're going to both go in and uh, tell me how music affects you, please. Oh, my word. How does music affect me? Well, shoot, man, the other day, <laughs> it was interesting. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching at my church, and the very first thing I talk about is me butt dancing to the blind boys of yeah. Alabama. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the folks are going... Some of them, Robin said to me afterwards, some of them didn't know what butt dancing was. So yeah, I, I turned you on to that. I turned you on to that cultural <laughs> lingua. I loved it. So, yeah, so, you know, how does it affect me? I, you know, I get jazzed. But, you know, honestly, it's the thing. When I think about music, I always think about you first because, you know, music is your first language. So when I think about what the kinds of stuff that you play and the cool jazz stuff and the places you've taken me around town uh, to listen to jazz, you know, I just get excited about this because it really does give a flavor to life that you don't sense in any other way. Absolutely. I guess and if I had to answer that question, um, for me, I think that it sets the mind uh, in a in a way of how your day will be. You know, and you yeah. know, on Saturday morning I do this shit, and it's nothing yeah. but love songs, and I call it pouring syrup on the waffle. And it, mm -hmm. it's, it, the, the connotation really is if you put some of this sweet music on your mind, then the rest of your day should be pretty good um, because your mind is like a waffle, mm -hmm. and, and the music is the syrup. So if you let it saturate, yeah. then how you what you listen to will definitely reflect how you act if you That's listen right. to wild ratchet music you'll probably be wild and ratchet in your behavior mm. you listen and everybody says hp you think you're cool i don't think i'm cool i just listen to cool music <laughs> and it probably makes me seem like i'm cool so you know I, I just think that it has such an important way to 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 bridge gaps in cultures it has an, a, a way to where it's universal language mm. um it doesn't care and we were just talking on the break and we were talking about love and music is the same way yeah Music is. Music doesn't care about the, who, who puts their flavor on it. Right. It's music. Yeah. And it's intended to inspire or do whatever it is intended to do. But uh, it is music. Yes. And so the flavors and the colors, are, they're just they're people's personal preferences. But the music is the music. So well, Just to kind of tag on to that good point that you're making there, this last Sunday I was talk, uh, teaching in my church. And one of the things that I talked about was uh, the connection between a guy like Benny Goodman and Charlie Parker, the bird, and to, to emphasize the point that both of them played jazz, but they also both played classical. So there's structure and arrangement in classical, but when you get to jazz, you can riff on that stuff because you've already got the scales down, you already got the mentality. So those kinds of things are really nice to help, help people to see the crossover in music, too. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, you got questions on here, you act like you want to ask me. So go ahead and shoot, man. <laughs> go ahead. All right, so uh, I'm, I'm thinking about the issue of uh, mindset. We've already talked a little bit about this. Um, this idea of uh, music being important to your mindset, you talked about uh, the syrup and the waffle and how it kind of flows through you, that kind of thing. Last, uh, last year for your birthday, I bought you a shirt that said, music is my first language. Explain why that is. I mean, you were the one who told me that music is your first language. Yeah. Why is it your first language? Uh, uh, kind of, and we'll, we'll kind of go back to the, the statement I made before. I just think that 
the things that we take into our mind, if we could use a good analogy, it'd be like your car. If you drive a Lexus, it runs a little better when you put premium in it because that engine was designed to yeah. use premium gasoline. Yeah. Um, anything less is not going to give you the maximum output of what, what happens. So what you put in is what you get back. Mm-hmm. I think if we start being, being alert mm-hmm. to what we let our children listen to, what we mm-hmm. expose them to, um, that, that will have a big way to determine how they act because I've listened to some of the rap music and I watch mm-hmm. some of these kids. I've listened to some of the acid rock music and I watch how the crowd responds to that. So there is a definite uh, correlation between mindset yes. and the music. If you go to a jazz audience, you don't uh, a jazz concert, you don't see wild behavior. Mm-hmm. You, you see people sitting there intent listening to this smooth music. But when you go to those other types of concerts that I'm talking about, man, people are jumping around, running around. Right. And so your mindset now is affected by what it is, is digesting. Yeah. And so I think it's important um, that we have some guidance, some some uh, they call it PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. I think it's parenting one hundred and one. <laughs> uh, what you let your children to is how they're going to probably act. Yeah. I'm not into fads. I'm not into this is what they're listening to today. That's your business. Mm-hmm. I think that you had to control that. And if you want to want to have some sane children, I think you that's where you start. And, I just think so. And some of this, uh, you know, to your wise words there about parenting. Let's take this a little bit further and and talk about the issue of mindset as it relates to what kind of music fits with certain situations and settings. So, for instance, uh, if I'm lifting weights, I'm probably not going to lift weights to Beethoven. You know, I'm probably going to lift weights to, you know, something that's... Some old Motown. Yeah, something that's getting me moving, you know, that kind of bit. So when we talk about the issue of uh, how music fits with certain ideas and segments of life, uh, why is that the case? What is it about music that kind of makes a difference in, in uh, how we think about certain events or people or situations? What, what is it about music that way? Um, it's, it's so universal. I'll keep using that word. It's universal. Um, yeah. I, I can remember watching Michael Jackson when he went to Japan. Mm. And most of the people there didn't know what he was singing about, but they were into uh, the concert, the music, uh, and, and that's, uh, that, that means that there is something universal about, like I say, it's universal about love, it's universal about music. Uh, you heard me before use yeah. the analogy of the wall. Yeah. The wall is the wall. It doesn't care what color it is. The wall doesn't care what you put on it. The wall doesn't care if you got a picture or a drape. The wall just don't care because the wall says, I'm the wall. Yeah. <laughs> be here if you don't put anything on me. I'm going to be here. <laughs> so, so kind of music sits in that, in that realm of it, it is a is thing. Yeah. It, it is. And so when we start talking about that and want to congregate and come together, mm-hmm. it is such a tool, a useful tool to, to bring people together. Mm-hmm. I haven't been to a church. I don't care what church I go to. Every time I hear music, People yeah. are in harmony. People are in unison. And, and it can be the, the funk of the Baptist church mm-hmm. or kind of the vanilla pure lily white of the church up in Cloverdale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people are still mesmerized with the music so and music, involved into the music. music does, in, in a way, then unify us. I mean, it has that property. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And I can only think of a few things in life that are capable of doing that. One is music. The other is sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in most times, when you go into those arena, people are stripping themselves of themselves to 
be part of that force, so right. to speak. Yeah, and, I don't and, see people going into sporting events or into a church service, you know, dressed up in the costumes they're going to wear on Sunday. No, or or asking why you're cheering for the team that you love. Uh, uh, so what do you do for a living and what church do you do? Nobody asking that question. Yeah. Nobody, it's, it's irrelevant mm-hmm. because we're all here uh, uh, for this force of what they call this game, and we're rooting for our team. Yeah. And and I said I say it all the time, if our faith-based community could, could respond to Jesus like we respond to a game, man, we'd be we'd be powerful as a community. And there's the issue, really, the issue of unity. And so I'm just going to, before I get to the next question, uh, kind of riff on what we're going to be doing next week. Uh, we are actually going to be having two different guests next week. Uh, Mike Roll is going to be here. He's been here last year, talked about Q Commons, uh, which is actually the whole Q Commons this year, uh, next Thursday night. Get your tickets, by the way. Uh, next Thursday night is going to be how do we unify or how do we heal a divided nation. But then we've got Dr. Posley coming from Antioch Baptist, and he and I have just hit it off. It's been a great to just get to know him just a little bit. We're going to go out and have some, some chats about life, about bringing black and white churches together, the unification issue. So that's going to be next week. Can't wait to do that. Um, this, uh, this next question, I have, frankly, I think this is going to bleed over into our next se- segment as well. I would like you to tell me about some of the musicians that you know that are making an impact in the culture for good. And I'm thinking principally about Christian musicians, but not necessarily playing Christian music. Um, I, that we, can, we need to know a whole another show for that probably because my world, as you know, my background is in the jazz and concert promoting. And I have been so privileged to work with so many artists all of them Christian, all of them still play in their churches. You know, I mean, so, but, but they do play jazz as a genre, uh, most of them. Uh, so when I think about it, all I can think about is the Rodney Steps of the world, the Greg Bacons of the world, George Middleton, who will be here today, Tony Cheeseborough. These are my contemporaries, uh, and I've watched them use their music to do some phenomenal things in the community for the youth movements, uh, teaching them how to, just as you mentioned before, not do music, know music. And then when you know music, <laughs> you're, 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 you're so limitless in what you can start doing. I've watched Rodney. Uh, he plays with the Flying Toasters which is a, a rock adult contemporary band. And then you'll see him at the jazz kitchen, flat out jazzing it up. And you've had the privilege of, of watching some of this talent yeah. uh, for Rez Witted. I, I mean, I could go on and on and on about um, these great people in the community that I, that I live in who use music to really, really uh, galvanize the community, galvanize people. And every time you go, you say, why can't we do this every day? Because yeah. that feeling when you're in there is so, it's so spiritual. Um, and they're not spooky, but just spiritual. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's greeting one another. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a vibe that you can't explain. And so uh, uh, I, I just reside in it. Everything I do, I have to have it on. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just a, it's, it's an element in my life that if we didn't have music, we probably wouldn't have jumbo. <laughs> That's true. Just, just letting you know, man. And we, I, I got to have it. We wouldn't want that because we need jumbo love. Well, you know, since I'm the guy asking the questions, I think I'm going to make the segue into the music. Well, we have been listening to George Middleton, and we're going to hear another cut from him. But when we come back, I'm going to ask HB to expand on this issue about how music makes a difference in mindset. And specifically, we are going to talk in the next segment about the Christian emphasis of this kind of uh, music like jazz that comes out of the church. What is the original uh, origin of this, the gospel message, uh, how does that connect to us today? 
You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. We'll be right back. RadioNext.tv. That is George Middleton, and the title of that is Long Time Coming. It's ironic. I mentioned the name of the song, <laughs> and Mark was saying, yes, it has been. <laughs> Can't get any better than that. Warp and Woof Radio. We are live at the RadioNext.tv studio located at Collaborate 317, and we're going to be uh, really, really pushing Collaborate 317. As I mentioned before, this is a social ecosystem of nonprofit organizations coming together to bridge this community. And I'm telling you, you need to come out here. We're at 4202 North EMS Boulevard. Uh, the zip code out here is 46140. It is a Greenfield address, but it's oh about 10 minutes from uh, 38th and Post Road. You can be here. So uh, it's not that far away. So come on out and just check it out. If you are a nonprofit, we are actually doing a foundation where we're donating uh, $24,000 worth of resources to nonprofits uh, to see that they can be incubated properly. Uh, we have everything out here uh, uh, from grant writers to marketing consultants to uh, uh, organizational development to accounting to anything that Theologians. you can think. Theologians. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, so, I mean, but all of those are needed to have a what we call the social ecosystem and everybody plays their role. You don't have to try to do everything. I don't have to try to be a preacher to be a communicator. I don't have That's to it. try to be an accountant uh, to make sure my books and taxes are right. I don't have to try to be a marketer when I'm a promoter. So that's what we're doing, Collaborate 317. And uh, you can just come on out and check us out and hopefully be part of this family. And we are back, Dr. Mark, before George comes in. Yeah, this is an important uh, issue here. We, When George and I first started talking about this, talking about music, and actually he actually does some work uh, with young people in music and helping them to think uh, differently and properly from their cultural perspective. But before we left, uh, I was saying to you, hey, look, when we come back, uh, let's talk about the history of jazz and the kinds of music uh, that we have today and where it comes from. So give us a bit of a history lesson about jazz music and why that history is so important. Well, there are learned things, Mark, and then there are innate things. And learned things usually cost money. You have to go buy it. You have to take lessons. You have to do that. Innate things are ways that you can create magic from nothing. Mm -hmm. And so the African heritage was built around uh, the percussion instrument. Um, and, and I mean, they would use anything from two sticks coming together, learning how to put cattle skin over a hollow thing to make some drums. And so the percussion was so influential. And if, if you know music, the first thing you normally do is feel that that bass drum. You feel that drum usually when you're listening to any style of music. So it's relevant in, in every form of music, but specifically uh, the African-American lineage uh, just, just encompasses. So with music comes, how do, we, how do we put something on top of that? So the vocalist came along. And if you ever listen to a lot of the African music, real African music, uh, it is so... It, it is so uh, on another level of spiritual is, a, is what I would call it. it. It is something where when you listen, you can't get away from it. You don't understand it, but it's like, oh, this is something a little bit different than this fabricated music that we're doing out here. Um, that transcended itself. And when, when the slave trade happened, pretty much all African-Americans had to, to, to if you want to say, entertain themselves in a, in a harsh time and an oppressed time like that. Music was that, that relief. Music was that thing that they brought that they couldn't take away, if you, if you know what I'm talking about. 
much like education. And education is one of those things that slave owners did not want because once you give people knowledge, like we talked about earlier, you cannot control them now. Mm -hmm. Um, Music is one of those things. You can slave me up all you want to. I'll still make music. I'll make music in a jail cell. I'll make music in a pit if you throw me in a pit because there'll be a way for me to make some music. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that when when I say innate, that's from the soul. That's from that's that's given. That's that is mm-hmm. back to love, back to God. That that is, and so music uh, is is so important. So a lot of the times in an oppressed state, all you have is what is. Mm. You got God. You got music. You got love. Mm. <laughs> it, it strikes me as as I hear you talking about this that that this go, needs to go in two different directions. One. Uh, the issue of uh, jazz or Negro spirituals was a way for lament, that is, for people to uh, sing in their suffering. But there is also an emphasis in gospel music and specifically in Negro spirituals about joy. Absolutely. So, so how does that happen? You have both of those concepts in the same music. Because joy is. I guess, no, no, yeah. joy is. It cannot be taken if you have it. There it is. And yeah. so the reality of, of this life that we live in, those things that just are, that, that is thing I'm talking about, mm-hmm. man, when you grab onto them instead of tangible things, mm-hmm. your peace, even in the struggle, your, your, your resonance and who you are is going to surface all the time. Mm-hmm. Hell, we've been together now two years, and you watch, you watch some, uh, Leashy Not Faint happen. Yeah. A week after week after week sometime and still to be able to have the joy to go and nobody will know unless you sit and talk. Right. You wouldn't know. Yeah. And that's joy, man. That's peace. That That's those things that just are. And yes. those are untangibles. Right. And it's not to say that, that the suffering and the lament isn't there. It's just that it has a different kind of foundation. It's woven from a Christian point of view in a different way than perhaps other people are going to hear. Well, well that as well as knowledge and wisdom, those those things. And I, it's so funny. I was reading yesterday uh, about Solomon. My cousin puts an article out, and he was talking about Solomon. And uh, God asked him, you can have anything you want. And Solomon said, I just want wisdom and knowledge mm-hmm. to, you know, to be able to treat my people like they need to be treated. And God was so pleased, abundantly mm-hmm. poured more on then the, he gave him the wisdom and knowledge, but I'm going to also make you king. I'm going to also make you wealthy. I'm going to also make you uh, the wisest man ever walked this, this earth. So when you start talking about that, that didn't cost a penny. <laughs> didn't cost a penny. You didn't have to go look up a manual on how to make it. Brother just said, I want wisdom and knowledge to be better for the people. And God appreciates that. Those are simple things. It's interesting, as I, uh, thinking about what you're suggesting here about wisdom and knowledge and joy, it just is. When I'm, I'm thinking about a very famous book called Man's Search for Meaning, uh, written by Viktor Frankl, who actually suffered through Auschwitz himself and came out the other side and wrote this book. And one of the things I still remember on what page it is, it's on page 67 in my hardbound copy, <laughs> he said that the, the only thing that no one can ever take away from you is the attitude with which you approach any situation. So nobody can take away the joy if the joy is already there. Ever. Ever. And, um, you know, I try to instill that in the youth that I work with, man. When you when you reach a level of self-identity, uh, that's the first thing. And then you you start incorporating knowledge and then yeah. you start learning how to turn that knowledge into wisdom. You, you, you're in a pretty good little peaceful place and all around you will happen and you still will be in a peaceful place. And, yeah. and I think that's important. And right now we have a world, I think, Mark, that is out here 
looking for that mm -hmm. but they're looking in all the wrong places they're looking for a new car they're looking for this bigger house they're yes. looking for i used to wear 80 dollar tennis shoes and these 150 dollar tennis shoes are going to make me happy it just does not happen that way well this is getting to the very issue that uh, george middleton and we are going to be talking about concerning what how does this mindset uh shift our thinking and uh how belief affects behavior and how behavior affects belief and the whole concept behind mindset is is an important idea here so let's just take this one step further and, and ask this question as it relates to music and hb uh, when you think about gospel when you think about christian music and you think about going out on friday night and enjoying some really great sax music you know, is there really any difference in any of this? My personal opinion personal is opinion. my personal opinion is no. I think that if you're if you are putting poison mm -hmm. in the gift of music, now I've got a problem. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about how you're going to beat women, if you're talking about how uh, uh, you're going to go make your money selling your dope, if mm -hmm. you're talking about take this acid and enjoy this ride, to me you're putting poison in the gift. Mm -hmm. But the gift. That, that our brother George Middleton plays. And when you go to church, they're so uh, horizontal on the same level that, that there's no difference except the words uh, that, that are coming out versus the music that's coming out. Yeah. You know, so. So, so it strikes me as I think about what you're suggesting that there are so many folks that are doing the crossover between church and jazz clubs on Friday and Saturday night. But it's seamless for them because they're coming from a different mindset. They're coming from a spiritual place. I, I can guarantee you when George is playing on the jazz stage, he's not feeling any different than he's playing in the pulpit because the music that he's trying to give is a power to you. It's a gift to you. Uh, this gift God gave me, I'm giving to you. It ain't hurting you. You, can't leave. you couldn't leave listening to a George Middleton concert and want to do one thing wrong. I mean, just honestly, and, yeah. and when you leave and it gives you that sense of power and, and you haven't heard anything contaminating to your mind, uh, how is that wrong? Right. Uh, and I think that uh, if we go back to Scripture, uh, the body, man, God said this is a body. That's why Collaborate 317 is so powerful. We got so many different mindsets right. in one place thinking alike, mm -hmm. but different gifts. Yeah. That so so I think music is the same way. You music. said you used the word just a moment ago that used the word seamless which really kind of brings us back to warp and woof and coherence and how Colossians 1.17 is true. By him, by Jesus, are all things held together. This concept that you can go Friday, Saturday night in the jazz club, show up Sunday morning, and there's no difference because your spirit is no different. And look, every day is church for me. There it is. Because uh, I'm not a churchy guy. I'm just going to tell you now, getting up and going to do the church, the routine thing, man, I'm churching every day. By the time I get to Sunday, I am so tired of doing church. I need a break because my whole day is encompassed with the spirit of church. Um, church ain't in the walls of the building. Churches, you come to, like I say, we collaborate 317. I am around more than two people. Scripture says if you with more than two people. You can have church. So I'm around people all day, and we're churching all day long, and there is never a conversation in here that's not uh, uh, having the spirit involved in it, mm -hmm. God's work involved in it, yeah. uh, as we go do this mission that we're trying to do together. Mm -hmm. it, there's not one day that, that we're here that that doesn't happen. So my attitude is uh, I'm, I'm doing church like the Scripture says, and then, if, you know, I get to the gate— <laughs> 
<laughs> Bruh, you know, I was doing <laughs> I was doing church every day, man. You know, really. When uh, Peter asks you, you got one word on your absolutely. mind. Absolutely. I don't know if I want Peter asking me. You know, Peter Peter got some issues. Peter got my issues. So I don't know if I need to be asking Peter. Well, that's one of those mouth me uh, James or somebody. But no, man, honestly, uh, I, I just think that it's so important that uh, we incorporate it in the educational model of what we're doing today because the kids are so affected Mm -hmm. by music Mm -hmm. and if we can say okay check this out they'll listen i used to ride my kids over a kaleidoscope in the van every day and they had to listen to mr hb's old school music that's what i used Mm -hmm. to say but guess what after about four weeks five weeks they knew every word and they were singing and requesting Mm -hmm. "Uh, where's that marvin gave mr hb Mm -hmm. yeah they heard what's going on and felt the same way i felt when i was nine years old and i heard it and they were into it. So, you know, we can we can move young people with music if we control it. Mm-hmm. And if they branch off and grow up and go into their little secular world, they'll come back. Mm-hmm. They'll come back. I'm telling you, folks, you've just heard it here. Harold H.B. Bell is singing his song and telling us what for. Got me in on this music show, man. I don't know why you did this to a brother, man. <laughs> I knew exactly what I was doing because I knew the man was here that could answer the questions. You are listening to Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon, and we are on the radionext.tv site at the Cool Groove area in that website. You don't want to miss us. Come out to visit us, collaborate, Want 317. We're going to take a break. Be right back with George Middleton. See you soon. Radionext.tv. You are listening to Warp and Wolf Radio live from Radionext.tv. Collaborate 317 Studio. And uh, we do have in studio with us right now Mr. George Middleton. And that last tune that you just heard, George, you might as well introduce it yourself, brother. <laughs> Inner visions. Pull that mic up on you, man. I know this is all new. Yeah. <laughs> this is all new, baby. Yeah, <laughs> all these gadgets, man. Microphones, cameras, technology. What are we going to do without them, right? Yeah, the science of how you do things, and that's what we're doing yes, here. Uh, today's show, Dr. Mark, and I'm going to let you guys get in because this is a great, great guest that you have today. But we are talking about uh, music. Uh, the messaging and mentality today, man, and that first segment was hot and heavy. You got me in, but take your show over, man. Yeah, that's great. We're really glad to have George Middleton here with us uh, this afternoon, this morning, and uh, talking about some really important stuff, uh, specifically as it relates to uh, the unconscious, the subconscious, and how do we form mindsets. So uh, let's just start, you know, real easy, George, and tell us a little bit about yourself, your family. Your church, your life experiences, how you fit into the Indianapolis community, you know, uh, just kind of give us an overview of yourself. Okay, well, briefly, again, um, well, not again, but uh, initially, thanks for having me mm-hmm. on your show and to celebrate your uh, opening, grand opening here at your mm-hmm. new spot. It is amazing. Um, I'm a graduate of the IU School of Music. I'm a musician. I'm also a graduate of uh, Indiana Wesleyan University from the School of Management. And then I also am a graduate of Capella University in the School of Human Services in the mental health field. Mm. I'm single. I have a grown daughter who I still consider my baby girl. <laughs> Something about those girls, they just get yeah. you. When you hear that first daddy, you're done. Mm-hmm. So uh, she's grown and successful and working, but she knows she can still tap daddy. <laughs> uh, in terms of my uh, spirituality, you know, it's, it's always in transformation. Uh, from my early years uh, to my late adulthood stage of life. 
Mm. It's like a process of maturing from baby food to, mm-hmm. you know, adult food. And, mm. um, you know, I've, I, it's, it's increasing in spiritual self-awareness. Mm. Um, in terms of work, um, primary work as a, in a variety of all those fields that I went to school for, as a musician, as a therapist, uh, and then, uh, most recently as an author promoting mm. uh, a book that I feel is relevant to today's condition. Mm. This is uh, f- fantastic stuff, man. You've got a lot of numbers and letters after your name there with all those degrees and all those places <laughs> you've been to school. That's pretty impressive stuff. And I get it about the whole daughter-daddy bit, man. Yeah. That's just They yeah. just melt your heart, don't they? Yes. My little one still, she's 31, has, uh, has a couple of her own, but doggone, I still call her a little one. How's That's that? That's it. <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about uh, your book. We're going to talk about your work, counseling, uh, talk about your music. But let's just begin with something, an overview of all of this, and explain how a Christian viewpoint impacts your work. Okay. Yeah, that's an excellent place to start. Um, I'd like to preface it by saying, uh, and I, I lead this out in my book, uh, that beliefs are more powerful than facts. Mm. Um, and I think if you look at the state of society today, look at our political um, environment, <clears throat> look at our religious environments, um, you can tell somebody they can be looking right at something mm-hmm. and call it something totally different based on their beliefs. Yes. So it doesn't. So at this point in in my work, I don't focus on what is right or what is wrong, mm-hmm. or what's true or what's false. I focus on what a person believes. Okay. Because I need to know where that person is at in order to help them get to a an effective stage. Mm-hmm. So I like to get out of the the right and wrong aspect of conversations and get into is it working for you or is it not working for you? It was interesting in the first hour we were um, talking about the SPUD test, how something is sensible, practical, universal, and dependable. And it sounds like what you're talking about here is when you approach your counselors, or when you approach your counselees, uh, these are the folks that you're interested in seeing some practical engagement with. Where are you at? Where do you want to be? Uh, how are you going to get there? Would you say that that's kind of where you're that's coming correct. from? Yeah. It's very accurate. Yeah. How about um, what kind of a, a psych- psychological profile do you bring to the table? Uh, do you use, use a certain method or certain tools? Uh, where is it that you're coming from? Well, m- well, my theoretical orientation is cognitive behavioral mm. theory. Um, and it, it's basically uh, a process where we help the client to be more aware of their negative mm. repetitive thought process. Mm. Because typically that's where you can connect the ineffectiveness of whatever action you decide to take. It's basically on how you're thinking. Mm. You know, there, I, I'm not a scriptural expert, but the, the scripture that says, um, uh, Whatso- whatsoever man thinketh in his mm-hmm. heart. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, we are unconscious about our thought process. That's right. But yet, even though we're unconscious, we are still responsible that's right. For our thought process. Yeah. And a lot of times it, it's easier, especially in a religious dogma, to blame that ineffectiveness on some external force because mm-hmm. it's easier to look at it like that from a moralistic point of view rather than a self-accountable point of view of can I possibly be responsible for the current conditions in my life? Yeah. Well, you've hit the nail on the head. You're quoting uh, Proverbs 4 there, and that's exactly the point, that we have this conscious uh, thought process that really is coming from an unconscious 
the things that we've yes. already set ourselves to believe, right. the assumptions that we bring to the table. But what are some of the assumptions, would you say, are, are some of the most detrimental that you see in people's uh, thinking, uh, just generally speaking? What are some of the bad things you see? Well, <clears throat> the premise of my book right now is based on we have we have a we have we're in a battle between our religious beliefs and our beliefs on race. Mm. And so as a therapist, most of my clients are their negative behaviors are associated with they may not realize it, but with their beliefs about themselves and others from a race paradigm. Mm. Um, and even in a religious paradigm, race is inextricably integrated in that process, mm. which really confuses the whole meaning of what Christianity is about. Mm. So I just see that theme of our belief system right now about race, which is right in our face right now, mm -hmm. from the president on down, mm -hmm. to Black Lives Matter, to all these other organizations. Mm -hmm. Everything right now is making us have to deal and I'm hope, hoping that we're going to really step up to the challenge and deal with this race issue because I think it is the umbrella over all of the ills that we're going mm -hmm. through in, in this great country because yeah. this is a great country. It is a great country. Since you mentioned this, uh, next week's one of our next week's guests is going to be uh, Dr. Posley from Antioch Baptist. And he and I are going to be talking about the oneness issue, the John 17, I, I want my people to be one. Uh, Q Commons is coming in next week as well. They're dealing with how do we heal the racial divide. Mm -hmm. So you're speaking about something that's really you know, personal, practical yes. right now. Right. Uh, tell us a little bit about your book, maybe about how it got started. You've given us kind of an umbrella overview of what the book is all about. Uh, but maybe why did you invest in this book? What, what got you going into it? Um, you know, some of the assumptions maybe that you brought to the table in this. Well, I realized when I started the uh, start of this work, uh, the process of the book, I realized that I had been writing this book for a while. Mm. Because on, when I went back over all of the, some of my previous works that I've written, it was like, wow. I was doing this on, on more of a subconscious level, but mm. it's like, you could, when I looked at that, I realized that <clears throat> there was some something spiritual happening with me mm. that's leading me to this direction. And <clears throat> uh, I, I would say that the the genesis of that uh, happened when I was not as aware as I am now. Mm. And I still have a long way to go with regard to self-awareness. Mm. But uh, when I graduated from um, college, uh, I graduated from School of Music, I didn't initially run right into my, my chosen passion of, of performing and entertainment. I, I got into what I call the safe environment, right? Because mm. all your parents would say, you know, go get you a real job to have something <laughs> to have something to fall back on in case you don't go platinum, right? <clears throat> so that's what I did, thinking that was a safe environment. But I I didn't realize how violent the corporate organized work environment mm. was. Mm. Uh, just because people put on shirts and ties and suits and have you know degrees behind them, mm -hmm. man, uh, I took some hits in there. Mm. And uh, what it did was it it, it exposed in me my thought process of who I thought I was. Mm. And it also exposed in them the way they perceived me and the way they perceived themselves. Mm. And that connecting theme on both sides, because it's a dance. Mm. You know, we're both a part of this. You can't point fingers mm. uh, at just one side. 
is race. Mm. The way we believe about race. Mm. And, you know, quick example, when I, yeah. uh, my first job going in corporate America, uh, because I, that was the time when, uh, well, I guess they still do it, but it was kind of fresh then where if you had the degree, but you didn't have the experience, they would still hire you because you had the degree. Right. And so I got hired in a position because of my degree over two experienced people hmm. that didn't have the degree. Okay. And uh, they were two white females, hmm. and one really had an issue with me being in a supervisory position. Wow. And uh, I don't know if she was conscious of it, and I wasn't really conscious of it until I just we just started having these conflicts. Hmm. And then it just came to a head one day when... Uh, we, we had a, a, a meeting, and I'm giving out the week's uh, agenda. And she said, you know, you sure use a lot of big words for a black guy. Oh, my word. <laughs> and, you know, I was speechless. I, I didn't even oh, know how to respond word. to that. And oh, so that kind of just started me down a path because here's the thing. That, that's, is, that is such an ending. That, that's, is, that is such an ending. That, that's, is, that is such an ending. That that's is 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 an internal statement. Oh yeah. And if I'm not, if I you know I wasn't at the time. If you're not aware of who you are, if mm -hmm. you're not aware of your triggers, mm -hmm. you can internalize yeah. other people's issues about you. Yeah. And so now I'm I'm carrying this baggage. I'm trying to figure it out you know and, and and it just set me down this process to where i was now i'm recreating those environments mm. at this point you know it happens enough where i start believing it right because mm. again it's about beliefs and i'm recreating these scenarios in various ways mm. and it was easy at the time for me to say you know they keep doing this to me they keep doing that to mm. me but after about the fifth scenario that i went through that i had to stop and say hmm what am i doing mm. And so once I became, became aware of that and took responsibility for something that I, I would is initially blaming other people for, mm -hmm. that I'm more aware of when those possibilities are that happening. And it hasn't happened to me since mm -hmm. because I'm now aware right. of it. Uh, but that is kind of what started me down this process of putting this material together because experiencing the world from a paradigm of color mm -hmm. and based on whatever color you are because we all are being impacted by this color process mm -hmm. um, and then getting into the mental health field I realized that that's a strong connection it's about mm -hmm. the mind you know racism is about the mind mm -hmm. about how you believe about how you think mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter if you're black or white if you're basing and this is what the premise of the book is if you're basing your life through a color spectrum you're probably having having some ineffective and dysfunctional aspects in your life mm. on some level man it sounds like an <clears throat> awful lot of great threads that are running through that particular fabric in your book and it, it certainly sounds obviously coming right out of genesis 3 that our real our real problem is one of sin and our sinfulness our human nature the internal subconscious uh, beliefs that we're bringing to the table is is what the problem is for us and i would like <clears throat> i would like to i would like to uh Subimpose or impose mm -hmm. the word ineffective for sin. Okay. Not to uh, take away the 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 substance of the word sin from a religious aspect, but in terms of helping people get from one stage to the next, 
you, you have to kind of compartmentalize the issue instead of attacking it from a moral standpoint, attack, attack it from an effective standpoint. So from your vantage point in your uh, bailiwick where you operate with the folks, your clients, you have to begin there. Yes. Yes, I, I get it. Okay. This is great conversation, folks. If you're at all interested, not only in counseling, but in music and understanding how beliefs impact uh, your person, maybe you don't even realize the kinds of things that you're thinking and how they influence your day-to-day -day life, this is the place to be. Uh, we're going to bring this out on the podcast later on today. It'll be up. Uh, you can hear this again for those who might have missed it. Some of the folks have actually texted me and messaged me ahead of time saying, hey, can I listen to this later? And I said, sure, we'll make sure that that happens. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. We're going to take a short break and be right back. And we are back. You're listening to Radio Next at the Cool Groove site, Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. And we are here today with George Middleton. And we have this uh, great interplay going on with not just the concept of music, but also about counseling and the subconscious mind, what's going on in our belief systems. And we wanted to take this, uh, kind of ratchet it up just a little bit and talk about these connections that are being made, um, not just in terms of beliefs, but also in terms of how do we communicate these beliefs. So, uh, George, one of, one of the great questions you and I had a discussion about when we were having lunch together was, how much of any message is the method of delivery? How much of any message is the method of delivery? Um, how can you explain that to our audience, the importance of a message being a method of delivery? Well, it's, it's really tied <coughs> um, or connected, strongly connected with one of your earlier questions on the first half of the show, which was describing what the word mindset means. Mm -hmm. and, and if you look at the word mindset, it, it's composed of two words, mind and then set, mm -hmm. right? So it's, there's a, a subject and then there seems to be some action mm -hmm. with regard to that subject. So it, so just, uh, and the reason I'm going into this is because the systems that we're discussing that are relevant to this topic, um, media, music, uh, religion, there's a profit motive in all of those. Mm -hmm. So the questions that I want to pose to you are questions that they already understand the science of. They know this. And, and they're statistically, they're counting on our ignorance of these answers mm -hmm. of this thought process because it's profitable to them. Mm -hmm. It's not about, again, it's not about right or wrong. It's about how do we you know, make money? How do we make this business successful? Okay. And, and many successful business people are able to compartmentalize their morality mm. versus the business paradigm, mm. right? And many of us, you know, uh, like the NFL piece is, is a major uh, dilemma right now. But if you're in them, uh, if you're in the feet or in the shoes of the NFL owners, they're coming totally from a monetary mm. motive, right? Mm -hmm. So, mindset. So I want to pose this question. What does the mind look like? Has anybody ever seen mm. the mind? Mm. Just, I mean, just think about that. It's, and these aren't, there's no right or wrong answers. Mm. It's just things for you to think. Where does thought come from? Mm -hmm. I mean, think about that. Where does, where does thought come from? Um, is thought something that happens or is thought something you do? Right. If it's th if thought is something you do, what is the next thought you're going to think? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
can you choose not to have thoughts? Can you say, I'm not going to have the thought? And how easy is it for you to do that? Mm. So, you know, when it, it, I want to, to just challenge our lack of awareness with regard to what systems know because they base their businesses off of questions like these. Mm. Um, you know, worldview. How were you when you developed your worldview? Mm -hmm. And did you develop your worldview or was your worldview developed? Right. You know, and these, so these are things that we all have to individually go back and do some self-awareness homework on. One of the things that uh, strikes me as you say these things is the issue of culture and how culture uh, is going to invade how we think about life and things. Uh, I was just teaching this in a, in a church class that I teach on Sundays. And the idea that somehow uh, we think that we can bypass our context, the culture from which we were born in. So, you know, I, was, I grew up in a rural setting out in the country. Uh, that's going to be totally different than if you grew up in the city. Right. You know, it's going to be different uh, for me as a white man versus you as a black man. It's right. going to be different for the rich and the poor. Right. All of those kinds of things are cultural investments. And so what you're suggesting then is, is that those cultural investments do make up how we think in our mind. That's right. Yeah. And then if you're coming from a business standpoint, here's, here's where they are. Their question is this. Which is, which is the better of the two? To go out and look for customers or to create your customer? Mm. Total different paradigm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and many of us are not aware that that's happening. Mm -hmm. So that gets into my work in terms of the message, mes messaging in the media from a mental health standpoint. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I brought you a couple of handouts mm -hmm. here that talks about specifically um, hip hop and rap music because that is such a misunderstood field. Uh, as a musician, I can appreciate the talent that it takes. Mm -hmm. uh, I can appreciate just about any, any music because as a musician, I understand the discipline it takes to consciously make a pattern of tones come out of your instrument, whether it's, whether it's vocally or instrumentally or percussion-wise. Uh, because the power of those tones is what sets up the message, mm. right? As a, I've, I've, I've uh, been a minister of music in my church for most of my work in life. And I understand that my role as the minister of music is to set the emotional tone mm for the pastor to bring the word. Mm. And so, um, and a lot of times there is a conflict a lot of times between the, in a lot of our churches traditionally, between the music department mm. and the pastor because sometimes the musicians kind of get a big head thinking it's about me, <laughs> right? Mm. And so then they start creating their own fiefdoms and territories because the power of music can actually you know, draw, it can draw people to or it can draw people away. It's that, wow. it's that powerful. Wow. And so there, there has to come a lot of humility uh, with that position. You know, as, as a jazz musician, if I'm playing for people, if I'm out in the club somewhere, it's about me. So I can go ahead and be all egocentric and, and push me up. But if I'm in this uh, spiritual environment, I have to be able to put George Middleton to, to the side. Mm -hmm. And set the emotional tone, the spiritual tone for those that are coming to be, to be fit. It's interesting when you suggest that music sets the tone. I, I'm thinking about uh, some very famous lines from a guy as old as Plato 
who said, you can have the laws, give me the music. Mm-hmm. And his point, of course, is that you can change more minds through music than yes. you can through law. Yes, that's very, very well said. And that's what's happening in our systems in, in any type of media format, uh, whether it's television, uh, uh, video games, mm-hmm. Internet. We are constantly being assaulted with messaging. Mm-hmm. And they find they, because they already know our mindset, they're hitting us with stuff that we can't, unless we're aware, we can't refuse. Mm-hmm. Because they're just throwing it right on us. So does this sound vaguely like an addiction? Hmm, I wouldn't say an addiction. An addiction is, is, is something where, it, uh, technically speaking, if, if you are so engrossed in something that it uh, disrupts the stabilizing factors of your life. So the, like the term functional alcoholic, right? Okay. Um, he's addicted, but he's functional. So, you know, that's a little subjective, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like on that on that platform. Mm-hmm. Um, this is more of being vulnerable to influence, which is totally different. Okay. Doesn't, it doesn't even matter if you're addictive or not. Mm-hmm. If you're not able to be consciously protective of the messages that are coming through to you, mm-hmm. if you're not aware that someone is actually playing to your uh, predispositions mm. to their benefit mm-hmm. you know yeah. that's a different paradigm oh my it reminds me of uh, what john said to the folks that were he was writing to in first john 4 1 he said test the spirits to see if these things are so so the the idea of testing literally meant to hold up uh, a cracked pot to the light of the sun so that you could see the light uh, through the crack and you could expose it for what it was so it sounds like you're into the exposing uh, issue here you're helping people expose for themselves yes these issues that's beautifully said because it's not about telling people what to do yeah right Right. because the minute you try to tell someone what to do their natural instinct Mm -hmm. present company included Mm -hmm. is to defend against that Mm -hmm. because you're you're coming from a position of superiority Mm -hmm. which I may take offense to sure now I I am not as bad on that as a lot of people are because uh, you know the, the the work I do humbles me so much mm-hmm. that I'm I'm more open to other people's perspectives. Mm-hmm. So I, I I'm eat more more apt to not be as defensive. Mm-hmm. But even I have my limits. Mm-hmm. But the average person you, you don't want to come at them from a position of mm-hmm. I know more than you or I'm better than you or you know you you want to come uh open Right. Open, open spirit, open in heart. Sure, sounds like uh, something Jesus might have said, like uh, you know, humble yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know, self is the hardest piece. You know, self is the hardest piece. You know, one of the, you know, one of the questions I like to pose for thought when having discussions with you know religion and spirituality and politics because they're all intermeshed. Uh, and again, there's no right or wrong answer, but I just like having a conversation because. Race is so intense right now. You know, it's left versus right, black versus white, mm-hmm. Obama versus Trump. Mm-hmm. I mean, those all three run together. Yes. So from a, a, a spiritual or religious perspective, I like to pose this question. Of the two between President Obama and President Trump, which of those two characters visually most accurately visually display characteristics of Christianity Hmm. and what that question would challenge one to do is how do I separate my 
political partisan mm. beliefs? How do I separate my racial beliefs from my spiritual or religious mm. beliefs? Mm -hmm. So do, do people actively compartmentalize those things, do you think? Are we no, they throw them all together. Do they? Okay. It's, it's, it's for a lot of people, because it's unconscious, they throw it all together. Mm. So if you're already um, politically inclined to the left or to the right, then your filter is going to bend the information, the facts, mm. again, right, based on your belief. Your belief filter is going to bend the facts to meet your narrative. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that always the way? So if we have new knowledge, let's say, for instance, some new knowledge comes forward, and the first thing we're thinking about is how, do, how can I fit that new knowledge into the mindset that I already have? Right, yeah. yeah. And so, or how am I flexible enough to revisit my old knowledge mm -hmm. and adjust my old knowledge to the new knowledge? Yeah. And this issue of being right or wrong is really a powerful uh, idea here because our our job is not to uh, cast aspersions or cast judgment on people. I was on a plane once and the guy asked me, well, when he found out I was a Christian theologian, he said, so are you one of those Christians who believes that uh, if I don't agree with you that I'm going to hell? And my response was, I smiled and said, man, I'm not in the eternal judgment business. <laughs> <laughs> That's above my pay grade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know that kind of that kind of let the air out of the balloon, you know. And now mm -hmm. we can have a conversation. Exactly. So now you know if I'm if I'm not coming at you, mm -hmm. you know now I'm just sitting at you, looking eye to right. eye, so we can actually have a, a talk with right. each other. Wow, right. that's huge. That's a total difference because, yeah. as you said, you broke down the initial defense, mm -hmm. and you and you respecting him enough to let him make his own choice. Yeah. Yeah. It, isn't that the truth, though? I mean, when, when we think about the concept of choice, let's you used that word a moment ago, let's talk about choice. How do we make choices? You've talked about the issue of belief and how important mindset is, and we do this subconsciously and so on. Uh, is there any way that we can influence people to help them toward a better choice, a good choice from a Christian vantage point? Is there any way that we can do that? Definitely. I mean, because we we have an impact on people consciously or subconsciously. Mm -hmm. So now we have a choice to make. Do we want how conscious do we want to be in the way we're influencing people? Mm -hmm. um, there's an old adage uh, that a minister said. Um, I'm sure you've heard of it. Uh, but he says, I would rather see a good sermon than hear one. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. now, there is the challenge. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Because that means you have to live it. It's like H.B. Uh, was saying in the first, first segment. He's churching every day. Mm -hmm. He said, by the time I get to Sunday, I'm churched out. Mm -hmm. Right? So in the, t in the typical religious paradigm, traditional religious paradigm, it's the inverse. Mm -hmm. We put all our holy behaviors on for Sunday. And then Monday, we're going out there figuring out who can we do in, mm -hmm. you know, or who can we judge, who can we talk about, mm -hmm. who can we exclu exclude, mm -hmm. who can we discriminate, who can we make policies against that are going to have adverse impact. Right. Right. This uh, raises a question in my mind when I think about what you're suggesting, that this is uh, kind of a, all rolled into one, all of the different issues that we're facing kind of rolled into one. Um, in theology and philosophy, it's something called syncretism, where you pick and choose. 
So whatever you pick and choose, and you kind of roll it into this ball, and now that's your philosophy, that's your worldview, that's your mindset. And so now I'm in charge. But still, it comes back to the same thing, right? You, self, are making a choice to be in charge, to decide, yeah, this is right, this is wrong, because I made the choice. You made the choice. And then you'd have to question yourself, did you really make the choice? Mm -hmm. Or did someone make the choice for you? You know, based on your environments and, you know, your, your economic situation right. you know how control are you really of deciding your own choices well let's take that to a different level and ask this question about the stories maybe you know you could tell a story or two obviously without names mm-hmm. uh, about folks that have you have seen come through this process uh, whether it be negative or positive good or bad uh, folks that have made good choices they've gone back to re- reconsider the old knowledge again and come up with a new paradigm perhaps or uh, those who have said, you know what, I saw it, I don't like it, I'm going back to what I was doing before. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've got um, um, a lot of clients that I would say I've had some great experiences with um, because they were open to changing that story. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the ways that um, I, I try to get um, uh, my clients to think is the stories that they tell about themselves. Mm. So that was a really relevant word you used. Mm. Uh, Because the more you tell that story, the more you attract and reinforce whatever the condition is. So you have to really be consciously careful about the stories you tell Mm. about yourself. Because those words are powerful. Words have energy. So whatever you're speaking to yourself, about yourself, Mm. Mm. that's the energy that you're drawing to Mm. yourself. You know, and so um, what I find with the the success stories of my clients are the ones that are able to. I had um, um, a a brother that um, unfortunately got pulled into the system for abuse because of uh, um, some inappropriate behaviors with his daughter uh, from a disciplinary standpoint. And that set off a hailstorm of just negative perceptions. He's a black male. He is of strong mind. He he is very articulate. You know, that's a key word, right? Mm. And he doesn't back down. So that was not a good combination for him in the system of Department of Child Services where mm. they're determining if they're going to take your children or not. Okay. And so I got brought in, in in the middle of the case because he was angering everybody. Mm. And so he had gotten that violent or aggressive black male um, status. So uh, I was able to help him reframe his responses. I said, I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm, I'm not saying you're right. I'm not saying you're wrong. But right now, here is your stigma. Do you believe that your current way of responding is improving it or worsening it? And I, I was just taking through a series of self-assessments to at the point where he started adopting, adding more tools to his arsenal. Mm. And it was a struggle, but he did it. Mm. I mean, because I had to go through some times where he would go off on me, right? Because, mm. and, and I realized that anytime my client is angry at me, it's not about me. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the freeing things about being in the, uh, trained in the mental health field is it's, it's, improved the way my I do my personal relationships mm-hmm. because when I'm in arguments now with anybody whether it's a 
a loved one, a, a friend, uh, if I'm on social media, if I'm texting or, or in a chat group and people get angry, I know it's not about me. Mm-hmm. I know something was triggered in them. Mm-hmm. And so then I try to find and try to help them become aware of whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And so that's what he did. And um, uh, unfortunately, the momentum of his negative behaviors were too, and me coming in in the middle of the case, they were, they were too overwhelming for the other service providers to get over. Okay. So he's probably gonna end up not uh, losing his daughter. Oh, which is unfortunate, you know, because that was a clash of, of cultural paradigms, a clash of religious paradigms, a clash of, a clash of service provider ethics. I, th- I thought there were a lot of unethical uh, behaviors on the basis of my professional colleagues mm-hmm. for taking things personally, mm-hmm. for judging a person who is in a, an emotional state. Yeah. You know, so that was very disappointing to me. But even in the view of all that, he showed tremendous growth and an ability to add to his emotional repertoire of responses. It strikes me as I hear you talking about this that there seems to be this underlying Christian view that we really need to care about how others hear us and the focus on others rather than self. Right. So how would you say, is that part of what you're dealing with, is try to get people to understand how others are hearing them? Is that the idea? Yeah, I, I would say that. I would say that. I think from a, I had, I was on a conversation with a, uh, a friend of mine, I won't say his name, but he's also a, a minister. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had this um, conversation about violence. There was an article that was posted that violence is not a product of mental illness but a product of anger. And uh, by the time I got into the text, I had sent it out and, I, and, and someone had said, or this person had said, well, it's also a product of evil wickedness, right? So they were, they were attributing violence, a violent nature to a moralistic paradigm. And I said, well, my response was, most of the time it's just plain and simple inability to handle emotions in a healthy way. And he said, oh, the contrary. It's a moral issue. That was his mindset. It's a moral issue. And when we put psychological, social, sociological spin on it, we are not only paralyze the participant, but we give him shield and pardon as well. And that statement in and of itself really said a lot about his mindset because he took his role as, I will, I will, I will administer the consequences to you. I, you know, I, or I can protect you. From the, and that's not our role. As a minister, as a counselor, that's not our role because your behaviors are going to set off those consequences. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you and I can do to shield or, or reduce those. For every action is a reaction. There's mm-hmm. nothing you can do. We're not that great. Mm-hmm. And so I, I responded, coming from a clinical perspective, there's one major component that will negate any client improvement, and that's judgment. Mm-hmm. And, in a, and I think it's harder or it's more of a challenge for those whose counseling is based from a religious paradigm because that even though we're not supposed to judge, that's the first thing we do. You know, in, in most of our religious environments, we're, we're trying to show our visual uh, justification for saying we're saved. Mm-hmm. And then we'll start, we'll start trying to out-save each other. Well, I'm more <laughs> saved than you. 
you know, or it's, look at her, look at her, look what she's wearing. She ain't saved. <laughs> I saw you in the club last night. I know about you, you know, so we're doing visual tests of each other rather than staying focused on you. Sounds vaguely like uh, stuff we read all the way through Scripture where folks are too much concerned about the external instead of the internal. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, this, But it leads me then to come back to, to what you're suggesting here about the moral and the clinical and the relational and the psychological, all of these things are threaded through uh, what we're dealing with, it would seem, that we should think about these things in terms of synthesis. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing all of these aspects of the human person come together to make up who they are, to yes. make up their mindset. It's not one thing. I love that, man. Yeah. Will you write that down since you? That was beautiful. I think you and I just need that to sit beautiful. down and write a book. What do you think? That was beautiful. Yeah. Well, this, is, this synthesis issue is really a powerful concern. Our synthesis is, needs to speak against this uh, uh, synchronization that we have going on that, that somehow we just pick and choose and that we have uh, a concern for others above everything else. Well, you know, we're coming down toward the end of uh, our show today, and I, I always ask uh, folks the same thing whenever you're on the show with me. Uh, what would you like to leave uh, the folks today? What, what are some thoughts you'd like to uh, suggest to them? Okay, first of all, um, uh, the book I'm promoting is called Black, <clears throat> and the, and the uh, Black is an acronym for Beliefs Limiting Authentic Cultural Knowledge, and the paradigm of the book is presents that uh, race in a mental health perspective. Um, and the book is not meant to be just some nice, you know, I got this book and it's some great reading, I'm gonna have a cup of coffee. Right away, it's an action book. Mm -hmm. It's about stimulating action with self, because especially if you are in any type of human service field. Race is where is our primary issue right now. You can take any aspect of our life, whether it's finance, whether it's politics, religion, uh, police enforcement, NFL, race is the connecting factor that, that determines the way we are responding to these systems. So uh, this book is challenging you first to address the racism within yourself. Mm -hmm. Before you can start trying to go out and help people, there are a lot of good programs out here that are doing the external stuff that are saying, <coughs> Let's do this. You know, we need to buy black. We need to stop the killing. We need to stop the violence. Yes, we need to do those things. But there's the what to do, and then there's the how to do it. So I believe that my spiritual uh, in <clears throat> inclination at this point, where I'm being called, is to facilitate like-minded organizations and groups with the how to what they're doing. Because the, 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 the platforms are awesome. But... This is a mental health scenario. And when I say mental health, people will automatically go to PTSD, go to depression, go, you know, those are valid pieces, but I'm not talking about that kind of mental health. I'm talking about the day-to-day -day way of how you see yourself, right? And to the more that you can be aware of how you see yourself, the, that negative self-talk that we all do to each other, to be aware of that, and how we see other people subconsciously. Because even though I may say, Mark Echo, great guy, but if I see you as a white man versus a, a, a man, mm -hmm. my, and I, I, my behavior towards you might be unintended mm -hmm. and unconsciously intended because I, I'm operating on a sub, subconscious level based on the color that I see mm -hmm. versus the substance of the man. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying 
let's not look at color. What I'm saying is, let's be aware of how we respond to color. There you go. That's a different, that's a different paradigm. So I want to collaborate and get together with as many groups that are out there to, to, to facilitate the how to the platforms that are out there. Sure sounds like a collaborate 317 that we've drawn folks together. What do you think about that, HB? You know how I'm rolling, man. I'm in the midst of my joy. And uh, we have uh, Pat, uh, Reverend Charles Harrison getting ready to come up with the 10-point coalition. And again, they're doing some great things that we want to announce as well, man. Great show today, my brother. Thank you so much. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon on the Radio Next.TV Cool Groove site. Next week, we are going to have Dr. Posley with us. We'll talk about oneness. What does it mean for black and white churches to be one? And then also Q Commons, where we're going to be discussing the national issues uh, that we've raised even today with George Middleton, and that is how do we heal the divided nation. You're listening to Radio Next at the Cool Groove site, Work and Move Radio. Could I say one other thing? Oh, please. Uh, My book is available on Amazon.com. I just had people asking, where's the book? It's available on Amazon.com, so go get it. There it is. And it's a it's a great book. I love the cover of it as well. Something that immediately draws you in. Thanks again for being here with us. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, HB. Yes, sir. Blessings on your day, everyone. We'll see you next week.